Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's great to be with you once again. Thanks for joining me. It's Wednesday, June 1st. Well, folks, today is the final session in our study of Philippians. We've been at this now for the past six weeks, and it's been an amazing journey. We've learned a lot about endurance and running the race set before us, and I really hope you've been blessed and challenged along the way. And if you've missed any of the previous sessions, you can catch up right here on this media platform. Last week, Paul reminded us that our goal in this life should focus on knowing Christ and becoming more like him rather than focusing on earthly things. We also discussed how we should not be resting on our laurels or worrying about the past. Today, we will come to appreciate how we can rejoice in all circumstances through Christ. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But right now, let's open with a word of prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing time we've been in your word in this book of Philippians. What tremendous lessons we've learned so far and yet more to come today. We thank you for the freedom we have to be able to study this. And thanks for all that come to listen and watch each week. We are so grateful. Lord, bless them for their faithfulness to you in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. Unity, joy, and contentment. These are blessings that only God can provide. And Paul has emphasized them throughout this letter to the Philippians. Here are some opening questions to help us talk about times in our lives when we may or may not have experienced these blessings. Question one, growing up, who in your family were you most likely to disagree with? No question about it in my case, I disagreed mostly with my dad. But disagreements with my mom, they were not far behind for sure. Question two, who is the peacemaker in your family right now? And how does he or she do it? For a long time, I was not necessarily the peacemaker, but I am now. I consider it a real privilege and an honor, although my wife is also extremely good at this. I just try my best to be present, available to listen, to be encouraging and to be honest and to pray. That's perhaps the best thing that I can do as a peacemaker. Our final opening question today, when you were a child or teenager, what relative or family friend always sent the best gifts at Christmas or on your birthday? And what gifts do you especially remember? Sadly, I do not have a relative or family friend that gave or sent Christmas or birthday gifts ever, like never. So there's none to remember in that way. How about you? Did you have someone? Let's continue. Paul finishes his letter with truly uplifting words. After urging some people in the church to make up with each other, he goes on to call them all to rejoice in the Lord always. While part of his own reason for rejoicing is a gift of support they had sent him, he divulges the true and deeper reason behind his joy. Through Christ, he's learned to find peace and contentment in all circumstances. That is the spirit Paul seeks to convey to the Philippians as well. So let's read our text today. We're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 23. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends. For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. 
Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment I have all I need and more, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Marvelous piece of scripture, just marvelous. All right, here's our study questions today, starting with number one. How do you normally respond when you are caught in the middle of a conflict? Perhaps your answer would be, well, I'm the mediator. I look to bring warring parties together. Perhaps it's, I get nervous. I'm not good with conflict. Or maybe, I love a fight. How about, I don't like to fight, but I'm not going to back down. How about this? Perhaps your answer would be, I will eventually win. Or maybe, others always seem to get the best of me, no matter what I do. Or perhaps there's something else. How do you normally respond when you're caught in the middle of a conflict? Now, if you'd have asked me this question years ago, I would have said, I'm not good with conflict. Look, friends, I don't know anybody that truly embraces conflict and just longs for it. But the Lord has worked greatly in me to the point that while I don't like to fight, I will not back down from a conflict. 
Of course, how I proceed and or respond depends on who's involved and what the conflict is about. But I'm available in whatever capacity the Lord wants of me. Number two, take a look at verse two. It reads, Now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Here's the question. Conflict between believers, if left unattended, can negatively impact the individuals and the church. What is Paul's message to us through this verse, verse 2? Here's my answer. Paul not only warned the Philippian church of doctrinal errors. Go back and look at chapter 3, starting with verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 1. He also addressed some relational problems. These two women, Euodia and Syntyche, had been workers for Christ in the church, perhaps even deacons. Their broken relationship was no small matter. Many had become believers through their efforts, but their quarrel was causing dissension in the church. We don't know the reason for the disagreement, but Paul pled with them to settle it. He expected them to work it out themselves. The unity of the church was to be their highest concern. And so Paul's message to us is to settle any disagreement we have with a brother or sister and not prolong the process because there's a lot at stake, especially unity within the church. Number three, take a look at verse four. It reads, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Question, what important lesson is Paul teaching us in this verse? You know, it seems strange that a man in prison would be telling a church to keep on rejoicing. I mean, just picture that for a moment. But Paul's attitude teaches us an important lesson. It's that our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Let me say that again to you. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him. While believers often will encounter situations in which they can't be happy, they can always rejoice and delight in the Lord regardless. Number four, take a look at verse six. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Question, what is Paul saying in this verse about our attitudes as they relate to our circumstances? Attitudes of joy and gentleness, combined with constant awareness of Christ's return, should dispel any worry, should chase it away. There's no room for worry when you're thinking like that. Believers should not set aside life's responsibilities so as not to worry about them. Paul was focusing on believers' attitudes in daily life and as they faced opposition and persecution. Christians are to be responsible for their needs and their families and to care about and be concerned about others but they're not to worry, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Check it out. Worrying is bad, folks. It's bad because it's a subtle form of distrust in God. Yes, you heard me say it right. If we're honest about this and really look inside, worrying is bad because it really means we're not trusting God fully. When believers worry, they're saying that they don't trust God, that he's going to provide, and they doubt that he cares or that he can handle their situation. Paul offered prayer as an antidote to worry. He said, instead, pray about everything. Prayer combats worry by allowing us release or relief. We can offload our stress under God. Isn't that what we want to do? We want to let it go. 
but oftentimes we let it go in the wrong way to the wrong people. We can offload our stress to God. Paul said to take all the energy that's used in worrying and put it into prayer. This includes praying about everything. No request is too small. No request is too difficult or inconsequential to God. Paul encouraged the believers to pray about what they need and then thank God for all he's done. It may seem impossible not to worry about anything, but Paul explained that this can happen if believers truly give their worries to God. Worry and prayer, beloved, cannot coexist. Number five, Paul says if the Philippians would take to heart what he talks about in verses four through six and verses eight and nine, they would turn from anxiety to prayer and then experience peace. Here's the question. What would you say is the most important key to finding personal peace? So let's review what Paul says first, and then you can make your choice. Look at verse four. First, he talks about rejoicing in difficult times, or in other words, keeping a positive attitude. Is that an important key for you to find personal peace? But in verse five, he says two other things. First, he says, be kind and gracious to others. Maybe that's most important to you. Or also in verse five, being confident that the Lord is always near you. How about that? Perhaps in verse six, it's maintaining a disciplined prayer life. Is that the most important key for you to find personal peace? And then in verses eight and nine, it's living a moral, obedient life. Or is it all of those things in verses four, five, six, and eight and nine? For me, it is all of the above. Because verse seven indicates if a person focuses on verses four, five, and six, then God's peace will guard their hearts and minds in Christ. But when you add verses eight and nine, the result is that the peace of God will be with you. How awesome is that? Number six, let's read again verses 10 through 13. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the question. What is Paul's secret to contentment? I believe the secret to Paul's contentment was that it was attained through Christ, not through anything he did. In verse 13, the word everything refers to the list in verses 11 and 12. In every possible circumstance, Paul could truly be content because he did not let outward circumstances determine his attitude. That happens to us a lot, doesn't it? Christ was giving him the strength to continue with his ministry and the work of spreading the gospel, whether he had plenty or was in need. Paul had complete confidence that no matter what the circumstance, Christ would give him the strength to meet it. Amen. Number seven, verse 13 reads, for I can do everything through Christ, or in some of your translations, it will say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the question. Considering this verse, how does Paul's view of contentment compare with the modern world's view of contentment? Well, this verse can be divided into two halves, I believe. The first half is I can do everything. Now to stop there, 
and pull the words out of context would imply the idea of self-reliance, cocky self-assurance kind of thing. That's the kind of message we often hear from motivational speakers. You can do anything you want to if you just put your mind to it, but that's not what this verse says. The last half reveals the source of our strength, Christ. God wants us to accomplish much for him in this world, but only through Christ. Instead of trusting on our own strength and abilities, we must rely on Christ and his power. Paul's confident words can be spoken by every Christian. The power we receive in union with Christ is sufficient to do his will and face the challenges that arise from our commitment to doing it. Absolutely. Number eight, verse 19 reads, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Here's the question. What is Paul saying in this verse and how can it apply to our lives? The Philippian church was not wealthy. God had met Paul's needs through the generosity of the Philippian church. God would more than repay that generosity by supplying the need of the Philippian church. Not only would God supply all their needs, but he would do it from his glorious riches. You know, believers can't begin to comprehend God's riches in glory. His riches are limitless. They're infinite. If it is from the storehouse that believers' needs are met, then the Philippian believers could rest assured that God will indeed meet every single need, no matter how large or how small, desperate or hopeless. No matter, he will meet every single need. Number nine, question. Paul ends this section in verse 20 by saying, Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Why is it important to recognize God in this way? That's the question. Here's my answer. God the Father was both Paul's God and the Philippians' God. And he's also our God. God who supplied Paul's needs and met the Philippians' needs is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he promises to meet our needs. To God belongs all glory forever and ever. Paul broke into a doxology of praise as he remembered God's great love and provision. Folks, God alone deserves all glory from his creation. Amen. So be it. And now our last question for today, number 10. Paul says in the final verse 23, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What did Paul mean by that? This letter to the Philippians begins and ends with grace. Have you noticed that? Paul had experienced God's undeserved favor, which is grace. And he never tired of praying that others would also experience that grace. In many ways, the Philippian church was a model congregation. It was made up of many different kinds of people who were learning to work together. Paul recognized, however, that problems could rise. So in this thank you letter, he prepared the Philippians for potential difficulties they might encounter. Though a prisoner in Rome, Paul had learned the true secret of joy and peace, and that was imitating Christ and serving others. By focusing our minds on Christ, we will learn unity, humility, joy, and peace. We will also be motivated to live for him. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, we've come to the end of our study. As I mentioned in the very beginning, this is our last study in the journey through Philippians. I hope you've been greatly encouraged and challenged these last seven weeks. 
And again, remember, if you've missed any of the previous study sessions, you can catch up right here on this media platform. Next time, we have a little bit of a change for the summer months. We're not going to be meeting in person. We are going to, however, continue our Bible study online through this media platform. It's a brand new 13-week Bible study that will be starting next week. And you're not going to miss a beat. We're just going to keep it going all the way through the summer. It's called A Living Faith. And we're going to be answering questions like, what is faith? Who understands faith? And where does faith take us? It's going to be a great time. We'll be talking from the book of Hebrews. We'll also be talking a lot in the book of Acts. It's going to be a great journey together. I hope you'll stay with us. I hope that you will just come expecting some great things because God has got much for us to learn. And I'm excited to be a part of that with you. So until then, please take care. I'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for joining me today. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.